everybody, Pastor Mark here, and good morning. Welcome to Praise and Worship Online. I'm kind of bummed that we have to be online only today, but circumstances require this as uh, a member of my family has um, some COVID-19 symptoms, and we want to make sure, out of love, to protect everyone um, and make sure until we have a test result to know one way or the other. So um, for today, we're meeting online. And because it's kind of short notice to switch from in-person, you know, from in-person with live stream to online only, we're going to do a real simple format this morning, um, just you and me together. And I want to share God's word to you. I want to share God's word with you from Ephesians chapter 1. Um, the second half of that chapter. Last year, we, or excuse me, last week, we started, this week did feel like a year, <laughs> but last week we started Ephesians um, in this 12-week series, which is a series called Unite. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, where it says that the Father's plan was always to unite all in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. This is his plan from the beginning of time and all throughout history. And when we go into God's word and we study that, what we discover is that that has tremendous implications for you and me in any kind of any time of our life, but also especially now, given the state of our world with controversies and and pandemics and all of the things that go on that we we tend to all kind of joke, you know, 2020, we need to like turn 2020 off, unplug it wait 10 seconds and plug it back in. You know, that's kind of a joke I've seen lately. And, I, and, it, and we all feel that, right? And reboot 2020. Um, but at the same time, this is also the day and the year that the Lord has made. Um, I was sharing a story with someone the other day that a, a, statisti- a statistician I know ran the numbers for the number of people on Easter Sunday this year that heard about the resurrection of Jesus. And based on his calculations, he believes more people heard about the resurrection of Jesus in 2020 than in any other year ever, which when you start to think about that, then you're kind of like, well, did the Lord cause all this bad stuff? No. But is he working in the midst of it? Absolutely. And that's exactly the same kind of heart I want us to take right now as we may be disappointed and not being able to get together today, but at the same time, and I certainly am, by the way. But at the same time to say, wait, let's see what the Lord is doing. Let's look for where the Lord is working and join him in it. So that's why today we're going to do a simple approach. We're going to spend some time in God's word. We're going to pray. And, 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 and I ask you to then take the words that we share together today and let them launch you into this week and see, going around looking for what he is doing. Because he's doing stuff, guys. He is doing stuff, if you'll allow that language, because he is. And I'm excited and eager to see where that is. So to begin this morning, let's open with a word of prayer. Ask him to bless our brief time together and carry us forward and launch us into this new week and see what he will do. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. And while we are disappointed to not be able to worship together today to share the supper that you give us so freely, um, we also know that out of love for one another, we have to do the right thing. And that is to make sure we're not making things worse and not inadvertently spreading potential disease. But at the same time, we know that you have a plan in all things. And as we just spoke about, um, we know that you work in the midst of our own brokenness. And we ask you to do that more so now than ever. I pray that as we spend some time in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, you would help everyone hearing these words to receive them, 
to be impacted by them, to be transformed by them. That even as I am playing the role of the speaker here, that I would also receive those gifts and that all of us together would be equipped to serve you and to be prepared for what is to come. And we pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name as we ask for your grace and your mercy and your perfect peace. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to chapter the second part of our series on Ephesians. And this second part is called Your Inheritance. And it's kind of a, a title that just sort of leaps off the pages of Scripture because it is indeed, that's the topic of these verses, these, the second half of the first chapter of Ephesians. Your inheritance. Now, what's really interesting is I was, you know, had we been together today, I was going to ask the question, um, why do you come to church? And, and I always hear lots of different answers, and, and, and they're all good ones. You know, come to church to be with the church family. That's just awesome. To come to church to hear God's word is awesome. Come to church to, um, to receive good news because so much of our lives are bad news. Awesome, right? And um, we're tuning in today for the same kinds of reasons. And what I wanted to do is to challenge you a little bit because the letter, the Paul wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, and I would argue he wrote that to them. Yes, he did. But that letter was preserved by the Holy Spirit also for the church in Branson, for praise and worship, and all the other churches around our town and our community and as far as the world goes, uh, to the ends of the earth, all the churches. Um, and so th- what, what's going to be interesting today is as I ask us this question, why are we here? What are we doing? What are we gathering online for? It is because, may I just say to you, the letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Missourians and, and all the other listeners that we may have um, is to provide a briefing, a mission briefing. And what I mean by that is to is to recognize that the Apostle Paul, as he's carried by the Holy Spirit, is here to talk to you and to me about what the real world is, about what is going on in the real world and our place in it. And so, yes, we will receive the good news of Jesus, and yes, we will be strengthened, but I also want you to know that we're being prepared tactically. We're being prepared strategically for what is to come. Because as, as Ephesians unfolds, you know, chapter one is Paul's greeting and his pronouncement of the good news. Just absolute, just dumping us on it, dumping it on us like a waterfall that just won't stop. And you're going to see that in today's scripture. But then also, it's also um, then in chapter two, it switches to, yes, the good news of Jesus. You are saved by grace through faith. This is a gift is so that no one can boast. It's not of yourselves or myself. It is the gift of God because we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then he tells us why. Because the church's job is to announce to the powers and the principalities the manifold wisdom of God. And then in chapter 3, he continues this whole thing in chapter 4, in chapter 5, in chapter 6, when he says, buckle up, baby, put on the armor of God, because we are in for a challenge. We're in for a struggle. This is, this is what he says. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There were many protesters downtown, or not downtown, but out on the strip yesterday, and, and some of you may have seen um, those who were protesting the Dixie Outfitters and then the counter-protesters who were protesting Black Lives Matter, and, and, and on the controversy went, and it got very heated at times, but resolved pretty well, over, you know, all things considered. 
And in all of that that was going on, I couldn't help but think to myself that, that the, <laughs> this message from Ephesians is for all of those people, whichever, because you might be like, I'm on one side or I'm on the other side or I don't know what side to be on. Uh, we're on Jesus' side. And with that, I want us to take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 because I want you to hear these words in that context, in your context, and what's going to happen this week. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, verse 13, I should say. You, yes, you. This is about you. And I understand that when the Apostle Paul wrote this 1,950 years ago or whatever the case was, um, he was writing this to the people in Ephesus. But I also want you to see that the Holy Spirit has brought these words to you. And we, we believe this with all of our hearts at Praise and Worship. The Scripture is alive. It's not... It's not words that are written in a book from 2,000 years ago, it, 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 although they were preserved for that, but they come to you and to me. In Jesus, Paul writes by the Spirit, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And I want you guys to listen to what God is saying to you. You might be going, when did that happen? Well, maybe it happened right now when you listen to this. Maybe it happened, who knows what day. As we learned last week, we know it happened before the foundations of the world, which is just like, what? How does that work? Answer is, blessed be the name of the Lord. He has spoken. And, and, so, and so when we listen to all of this, and we listen to the fact that you heard the word of truth, I want you to hear it again. I need to hear it again. The word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. The word gospel means good news. He comes to you and to me and he's like, here's the good news. I love you. Not just y'all, although I do love y'all. The whole world we know in John chapter 3 and many, many other places. But I love also you in particular. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the one that I went to the cross for and died. The ones on the other side of the street, I love them, and they are the ones I went to the cross and died for. The ones on that side of the street, I love them, and I went to the cross and died for them. The ones who, who are on the other side of the aisle, I love them, and I went and I died for them. The ones who are on your side, yes. But most importantly, I want you to hear today that he loves you. He loves you so much that he gave everything. He moved heaven and earth. He brought heaven to earth for you. And it says this. This is the gospel of your salvation. And believed in him, um, believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So when you heard, when you heard, the message, this message, whenever that day was, whether it be today or any day, you believed. Now, we know from many other places in Scripture, such as in the Gospel of John, Jesus says to his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you, which indicates this idea that the Holy Spirit was the one who drew us to Jesus, and, and he chose us, and it makes no sense to us. We can't understand that, but that's what the promise is. So the benefit of this, don't miss this, guys, don't miss this, the benefit of understanding the fact that he chose you and me is that it doesn't depend on us. 
The devil will come to you and me and he will say to you and me, he will say, you did, it wasn't sincere, it wasn't this, it wasn't that, look at what you did. I know what you did last night. I know what you did the other day. I know what you did that one time. And Jesus says to you and says to me, I love you. I took that sin, that brokenness, that terrible moment on me and I paid for it. I completed it. And the devil is now impaled on the sword of the word of God. He cannot do anything in the face of the truth, which is Jesus loves you. And having believed in him, you were sealed in the promised Holy Spirit, with the promised Holy Spirit. It, it, it's for you. Now, what's interesting about this is when we talk about this, I want you to see that you can bank on him. Look at this. He says, he who is the guarantee, that is the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, our inheritance, to the praise of his glory. Okay, so it's the way the Lord is speaking to you today is he's like, this isn't kind of a maybe sort of kind of thing. I gave you something so that you will know that it's true. Now, let's talk just a moment about how do you know that you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is someone who, who he is the someone who brought you here to listen to these words today. That's, that's it. For whatever reason that you're listening, it was because of him. He is the one that when you go through life and you feel this sort of conflict in your heart, in your body, and you go through life and you're, you, you, you feel like you should you correct, you know, it's like, the, it's like he's the one who's got your hands on the steering wheel of your life and you have to curve and you have to twist and you have to turn and come back out of the ditch and, and all of those things. And he's the one that makes you aware that when you're in the ditch, right? And you're like, how did I get here? What's going on? And he sort of wakes you up. All of these things. Ironically, the conflict in your life, inside your heart, the struggle that you find yourself in is evidence of the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't hear me say this unless you have the Holy Spirit. And that is God saying to you that he has guaranteed this. He has put a down payment on you. He bought you with his blood and he poured out his spirit upon you so that you will know that this is true. You can bank on it. Now what's interesting is he takes this to the next step into um, verse 18, and you see this here, he says, you are rich, right? Now, again, you know, we live in America, so all, we have to explain what that means, but let's look at what it says. It says, having the, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches, not cash, <laughs> not stocks, not mutual funds or the you know, options or whatever, it, it's, it's the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, we mentioned you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. You have the down payment. He has given it to you. And he's continuing on with these economic terms, which I think is interesting. And, and he's like, you know, he wants, he wants to have the eyes of your heart, of your heart, enlightened so that you may know, you may know what this hope is. And the hope is this, guys. It's very simple. That you and I would participate with him in the restoration of all things. We look and we see terrible things going on in our own community or in other communities. We look and we see sickness and pestilence moving through our, our communities, even in my case, my own family potentially. I don't know. We're going to find out. You look and you see all kinds of terrible things, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars. But these are just things, right? He wants us to know the hope. And the hope is this, that 
we have been called to actually join Jesus on his mission. Now, when you hear those words, I don't know what you think of, but what he's got in mind is that you would love your neighbor. That's what he's got in mind. We, we learned a few weeks ago on Trinity Sunday that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And then my prayer, Jesus says to the Father, he goes, my prayer, Lord, my prayer, Father, is that, you, that they would be one even as we are one. See, it's through love that this happens. And the hope that you and I have been called to is to participate in that. The Bible just keeps saying it over and over and over and over and over again. And so, because I preach the Bible, I have to do the same. And this is why we keep coming back here, because he wants us to know it. And he, he talks about this, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened. And, I, and the, the thing about that is, is that the reason that's so important is, is because our eyes are often not enlightened. And I know you can, if you're like me, you can relate to this. We kind of go through life a little blind, um, a little deaf, a little bit like not able to process what's going on. We hear these words and we have enlightening. We have light filling our hearts opening our eyes, helping us to know the hope that we're called to. Look at these words. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. A lot of people hear the word saints. They don't know what that means because, you know, other churches, you know, they'll talk about how a saint is a really good person and then we we venerate them, we make statues of them, all those things. In the Bible, the word saint is the Greek word hagias and it just means God's chosen people, his holy people, right? It's the people that he's talking to, you, right? That's the word that we keep saying, your inheritance. You are a saint. And people are like, Mark, if you knew me, you would not call me a saint. And I'm like, that might be true, but God would, and he has, and he's doing that right now. The scripture says you are a saint. People will often say we're, we're same time saint and sinner. And I understand where that comes from. My Uncle Marty loved that language, but he, he used that language specific to a group of people who would never allow for the possibility that you and I could be saints because they were very focused on the sins that we still participate in. But the thing I struggle with is the Bible very rarely, very rarely calls us sinners. And the reason for that is because a lot of times when we hear the word sinner, we make that into our identity, right? You're like, look at Mark. He is a sinner. And certainly on one level, I can say that. You know, I have my old Adam that... that the thing we should always be doing, though, is describing ourselves the way the Bible does. And here, the Apostle Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, calls you and me a saint. He calls the people in Ephesus a saint. He calls those who hear what the gospel message is and having believed and having received the good news and received the Holy Spirit by as a pure, full, free gift, saints. Not people who have done great things, not people who have somehow escaped their sinful selves, but rather those who have believed that Jesus has come to save their sinful selves. That gives you the name of saint. It gives me the name of saint. So we are saints who still struggle with sin, without a doubt. And I want you to always know that your identity, the way God sees you, is as a saint. And think of the implications of that. And I know, immediately, we're like, oh, I'm no saint. We keep coming back to that. Don't fall into that trap. The reason for this is God is for us. And what is the immeasurable greatness, Paul writes, of his power for us, who believe according to the working of his great might? 
that the Father worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Now, guys, this is where we got to talk for just a moment because he's sitting here. He's, he's giving us this information about how Jesus is above every rule. He's above every authority. He's above every power and every dominion. The Bible gives us this powerful description of our world and it's partially it's difficult for us to accept because we live in a time when you know we just live in a time when it's just time plus matter plus chance and that's how we got the world well the story of the bible is god created the earth and 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 the heavens and the earth and um and then as the story unfolds we know that there are many creatures that are a part of that creation that we don't understand and these are the ones that we saw last week in the eburanias you know in, in paul's description of the heavenly places here he's talking about this again and throughout this letter to the ephesians he's going to continue to bring up this epiranias, which is the heavenly places, which is where there are not just angels, but there are demons, and there are other creatures that we don't fully understand because the scripture just describes them as with words like these, those who are in rule and authority and power and dominion. But you actually see them on a regular basis. You just don't realize that. If you saw the protesters if you saw some of the footage of what was going on between the protesters and the counter-protesters yesterday in Branson, you could see these creatures. You could see the authority and the power and the dominion. I'm not talking about the people, but I'm talking about that which drives those people to shake their fist at one another and to say unspeakable things to one another. The, the thing that wells up in a crowd of people that turns them from people who are there to support a cause and then turns them into an angry mob. In fact, I don't know if you heard, the one lady who made national news because she said that she would teach her grandkids to hate um, in the same way. In her apology, um, she, she posted an apology to KOLR in Springfield that said, I don't really know what came over me. It was like I blacked out. And of course, everybody's like, oh, that's a bunch of you know what. I was sitting there going, hmm, kind of lines up with what we see in the scripture. She kind of blacked out. Now, again, I'm not trying to take responsibility away from what she did. That's between her and the Lord. And, of course, the Lord would forgive her if she calls out to him, and I pray that she does. But the point being is this. She says, I don't even know what came over me. Something just happened, right? This is what we're talking about. The, the, the scriptures are telling you and me that things happen in this world that Paul will later in Ephesians chapter 6 say, this is not flesh and blood we're struggling against, but the powers and the principalities and the rulers and the authorities and the dominions of this dark world. And I know you may be sitting there going, Mark, you know, I went to college, you know, we read and we read books and we deal in science now. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> I understand that. But again, that what you're doing is you're limiting your view to only the things that we can see and put in a test tube. And I would argue very vehemently that the vast majority of the most important things we, you and I will ever come to know, keyword know, cannot be tested or experimented on, such as the love that you may have for your family or that they may have for you, or more importantly, the love that God has for you and how he wants to take you and me. He wants to give us this inheritance. He has given it to us before the earth was made, and he wants to carry us forward as his children. And he wants to give us these glorious riches. 
by putting the name of the one, look at this, the name of the one who was risen from the dead for you and me, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Look at this. And the Father put all things under his feet, that is Jesus' feet, and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. When we read these words, this business of to the church, you know, you've heard me say it many times. You know, why do we all, why does Mark always get so f- focused on the fact that the church is not the building? Well, here's why. This is the scripture among many. In, and the church is his people. And specifically, his people are his body, the body of Jesus, to the fullness of him who fills all in all. We're going to be seeing in the weeks to come that his plan is to reveal all of these things through his body, which is the church, you and me. So, so Anthony and I were talking the other day, and, and, and he was like, what should we do about the protesters in Branson? And I'm like, well, you know, I suppose we could go down there and give them water bottles or something. You know, the idea is we love people. Now, again, it, it may or may not work, and, you know, yesterday it might have been a little tense to do that. I don't know. That's something for us to pray about. I want you to pray about that. How can we pray for them? How can we participate in them? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, which means our struggle is not against with the protesters or the counter-protesters. It's not against the people who who you agree with or don't agree with. It's against the powers and the principalities. And the church, the body of Christ, has been put on this earth to participate with Jesus in the restoration of all things. That is your inheritance and mine. Our inheritance is this free gift. Everything's taken care of. Everything is finished, if you'll allow that language. The devil is impaled on the sword, which is the word of God. And what you and I now have is power and authority to participate with Jesus, to look out at things and not go, oh, that's terrible. Well, of course it's terrible. Welcome to planet earth, right? But rather to say, that's terrible. Heavenly Father, I pray for them. I pray for me. I pray for us. Because your plan all along was to unite heaven and earth, all things in heaven and all things in earth. And no matter what happens, you and I are going to keep praying. You and I are going to keep loving. We're going to look for ways to love our neighbor. Ask the Lord to give you insight. He will. He has just proclaimed to us that he wants us to have eyes that are enlightened. Our hearts are enlightened. Our ears are open so that we can participate. We can join him in his mission. It starts in our homes. It goes out to our workplaces and our, where we go to school and, and even if we're gathered online and how all of this works so that you and I receive our inheritance and take that which we've been given and share it. Let's pray about that. Father, we ask you right now to do exactly these things. Help us receive our inheritance. Help us believe that these, this is true, that you have poured out your glorious riches upon us so that we have power, the power of the good news, the power of the gospel to share it with those in our community. I pray boldly right here and right now that you would help each one of us, though we are limited by our connections and our, and our participation to online only, we are also empowered and set free to participate with you. I ask that you would do all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, 
who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, just a couple quick announcements. Um, um, we're going to go get tested for COVID tomorrow because we, we think that at least one of our family members has that. And so uh, at least possibly, we don't know whether he does or doesn't. And so we're going to go and we're going to get tested and then we're going to find out. And then once we find that out, then we'll post updates on what we're going to do next week and in the weeks to come. Um, whatever we choose to do, it's in love, not fear. I want you to read Psalm 91 this week. This is kind of your homework assignment. Read Psalm 91 and pray about it, and especially as our world continues to be as it is. Also go back and read Ephesians 1. Psalm 91, Ephesians 1. Let those be your two scriptures that you dwell in this week. Ponder these words um, of God for you and for me. And, and we say all of this as we, as we proclaim the, the, the promise once again. The Father's plan always was to unite all in Christ the things in heaven and the things on earth. This is his promise for you and for me. And so receive the words of the blessing from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look toward you and give you his perfect peace. Amen, amen. God's richest blessings as you go in peace and serve him with gladness in your hearts. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church.